What's up, morning crew? Welcome to the podcast that helps you get your day started the right way. My name is Jackson, and I am the host of this fantastic podcast where we discuss building successful habits, finding sources of motivation, and focusing on building a positive and optimistic environment. Today on The Morning Crew, our special guest is Angie Stockland. Angie was the co-founder of One Click Ventures before selling the company in 2018 to Foster Grant. Angie is currently an angel investor and a lecturer for Purdue University's entrepreneurship program. This discussion that I had with Angie was very motivating. I found that I was able to take away so much from this conversation. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome our guest, Angie Stockland. Welcome, Angie, to the Morning Crew podcast. It is so great to have you here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Jackson. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me about your history and what you're doing right now. Okay, sure. Wow. Um, So (laughs) I grew up in a really tiny town called Paoli, Indiana. So we had about 2,500 people. Um, My mom was a teacher. My dad was a farmer. And so I had like that kind of typical small town upbringing. Um, Not a ton of exposure to like business or entrepreneurship. Although now that I understand entrepreneurship a little bit better, I realized it was all around me, but it wasn't something that I necessarily noticed. Mm -hmm. So I went to the University of Evansville and got a psychology degree and then went to a grad school program and became a school psychologist. Um, And I did that for about three years and I actually really loved it. I loved helping children and um, I essentially just helped with academic and behavior problems. Um, And then I accidentally became an entrepreneur. (laughs) Um, I was married at the time to someone who was an entrepreneur, like through and through, like every bone of his body. Um, And we just kind of like fiddled around with things until we we found something that worked and we realized that we were a very good team. He was very visionary. I was very detail oriented. um, And so we had a lot of complementary skills um, and ended up bootstrapping and building an e-commerce business uh, for about 14 years until we sold to Foster Grant in 2018. And at that point in time, I wasn't necessarily ready to do it all over again. I don't know if I'll ever be ready to do it all over again. (laughs) Um, But I left in 2019 and and kind of like did some soul searching to try to figure out like, what do I want to do and who do I want to be if I'm not an entrepreneur or a founder? Um, I became an angel investor. I started doing some volunteer work with high school students, um, became um, a mentor to a lot of startups, and then eventually landed at Purdue um, to teach entrepreneurship, which I've been really enjoying. It's a, it's a whole lot of fun. And I actually really enjoy, at this point in time, my work-life balance because um, it's not 24-7. Um, and so I feel like I have a lot of time to figure out, like, what I want to do and I can travel and I can um, exercise and I can read um, in addition to like feeling fulfilled with my work. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, so I, I want to dive into a couple things that you mentioned there. First, the entrepreneurship side of things. Um, as a student in the Certificate of Entrepreneurship and somebody who's been through your courses, um, I, I couldn't really imagine you outside of entrepreneurship just by the way you taught and the way you talked about things so it's kind of cool that I get a little bit of a background um, other than the entrepreneurial side of things but so you mentioned kind of accidentally falling into entrepreneurship because um, your partner had was an entrepreneur through and through so how did you transition from not being an entrepreneur at all into that role of that vision or not the visionary the one who was very detail oriented in your business yeah so as I 
I kind of have done when I did my soul searching a couple of years ago, like it was very interesting to think back about like my childhood and my upbringing and who I am um, kind of like as a person and what I value. And I realized that um, I am a helper by nature. And I also really enjoy like setting goals and reaching them. And so entrepreneurship was kind of an easier transition than you might think, um, because I felt like I was accomplishing things every day. I was able to set goals for myself and like teach myself like the ins and outs of the business. And that was everything from the customer service to product photography early on. And we had to figure out like inventory and like, it was really challenging and I enjoy a challenge and I like a goal. Um, and so while it feels like a stretch, it was, it, it really was a, a more of a natural transition for me. And I think that we did it in a way that was kind of steady. Like we weren't out trying to raise venture capital money. Um, and so we were able to kind of like stumble over things, make mistakes, fix those mistakes and move on. Um, and so it happened at a pace that just felt really natural and, and kind of, it just became who I was. There's a lot of moving parts to starting a business. So how did you figure those things out? Was it something that, you know, maybe you outsourced to other people or was it something that you just kind of learned along the way? We did a ton of reading um, okay. from books to like blogs. We did a ton of like reaching out to people and saying like, hey, like I see you're an expert in this area or we really love what you're talking about in terms of like SEO or in terms of inventory management or whatever it was. And and you'd be surprised. Um, I think even today people are pretty friendly and kind and most people are happy to give you an hour of their time um, to offer up advice or just help you get started. Um, and so it was a lot of learning and kind of trying to prioritize, like, what's most important to learn this week and what can I put off to next week? Um, and and making sure that the business was growing at a pace that was good for our bank accounts, but also good for the two of us kind of like doing it ourselves. Mm -hmm. And as the business grew, did you then hire more employees or did you kind of contract with individuals? What, what did that look like? Yeah, we did a little of both. There were um, a few agencies that we worked with early on um, for like higher level things that were would have taken us a while to learn. Um, my partner was a software engineer, so he had a background in software engineering, but maybe didn't know like every single language that we needed or didn't have the time to build something from scratch. And so that was something that we outsourced early on. Um, marketing was something that we were learning from scratch as well. And so while he was learning like one portion of digital marketing, um, we would outsource another part. And then when we started hiring people internally, we really looked at, especially from the operations side, which was my side of the business, mm -hmm. what are the repeatable processes that can easily teach somebody so that I can work on whatever is like most strategic. And so our first two hires were in fulfillment because that was a process that we could put into place that we could teach somebody and then like leave them to do it. And then I hired customer service and then I hired product photography. And it was always about getting, I don't, you kind of want to call it the grunt work, but yeah. like I wanted to get that off my plate so that I could focus on strategy and, and visionary type things and making sure that I was working on the most important thing at the time, not just what was like the biggest fire. Okay, cool. I want to backtrack a little bit and I want to talk, you mentioned reading books and reading blogs and kind of reaching out to individuals for help along the way. If you had to pinpoint three books or blogs or individuals who helped you the most along your way on this entrepreneurial journey, what would mm. those three be? 
I'm so putting you I'm on like, the spot here. Yeah, I know, right? I'm like, <laughs> my goodness, like 20 years of reading. How pick one? Um, yeah. It kind of probably depends on the time period. I know early, early on, I don't even know if this place still exists. But there was a business called We Build Pages, um, and we used their services quite a bit. There was also a business called um, SEO Moz. Um, they've now changed the transition to just Moz, but they had a blog that they gave a ton of great information for free. Um, and so those two pages are businesses individually. I really, really helped us a lot. I would say, I don't know, maybe the first business book I read that I was like engrossed in and I probably read in an entire day was The Hard Thing About Hard Things. Um, just because, and he was building a completely different business than we did on a completely different scale and level, but being able to understand his journey and connect with that through the pages was, was really kind of like eye-opening for me. Like, Hey, we're not in this alone. And even though he's building a completely different business and on a completely different scale, um, he's got a ton of the same challenges that we have, and I can really learn from his journey and some of the mistakes he's made. And so um, that may not have been like super early on, but it's the book that kind of stands out as the first one I read that I was like, oh, I really connect with this. Okay. Those are, those sound like great resources. I'm going to have to have to check them out for yeah, my, myself. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I want to move on a little bit, um, to some more general questions and then we'll segue back into, uh, I, I have a lot of entrepreneurial questions for you. So, <laughs> um, how would you personally define success? So you've built a successful business. You are an angel investor. You, um, teach courses at, a great university. Um, so how would you define success personally? So this is definitely the definition of success, I believe has changed for me over the years. Um, but I've thought a lot about it because once you've been an entrepreneur and you exit, like the first question out of everybody's mouth is what are you doing next? And they expect mm -hmm. it to be like something bigger and right, like right. broader than what you've just done. But I really, really feel like success is flexibility and freedom. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm at a point in my life where I get to say yes or no to things based on like, if it fits with my value system or if I want to do it. Um, and I have the freedom to say no. And I have the freedom to not have like a nine to five job. And, and that makes me feel successful, even though I'm not Jeff Bezos yeah. and I don't have, <laughs> you know, like a house in every continent. Right, right. Yeah, it's funny because I, I was talking with uh, Matt Choi on my last episode. He's a an avid runner and he's a big icon on social media and an entrepreneur himself. And he kind of had a very similar definition, right? That that freedom um, that you seek out um, is that what attracted you to uh, an entrepreneurial lifestyle? Was that freedom, or what did that look like in the beginning of your journey? Yeah, for me, it was again a little bit accidental, yeah. um, but. I, I do remember like for my partner, he was very interested in entrepreneurship because he wanted to own his own destiny. That was something that was really important to him. Um, for me, I really enjoyed the challenge of entrepreneurship and I enjoyed um, those little wins like every single day because when you own your own business, there's always something at the end of the day you can think, okay, like I got this accomplished or made this better than yesterday. And that's kind of what drew me in. Um, and then I, I fell in love with building a team and um, creating a culture where people love to work, but that was a little bit later. Yeah. 
Okay, I'm sure you're probably expecting this question, but since you are involved with, um, you know, investing and teaching a lot of young and uh, flourishing entrepreneurs, um, what what are some pieces of advice that you would get give to somebody who might just be starting out, or they might be interested in starting their own business, or you know, supplying their own service, whatever it may be? Yeah. I think that if somebody is interested in entrepreneurship, there's a couple pieces of advice that I typically give. One is um, like, don't wait until it's perfect to get started. And I know it's hard. It's hard to make that leap and to like announce to your friends and family, like I've started a business (laughs) Um, because people are like, are are you crazy? Like (laughs) even today, everyone thinks you're kind of crazy, right? So I think just getting started and taking that first step is really important um, and not waiting until something is perfect to announce it to the world. Um, I think that's probably one piece of advice. Another piece of advice is um, to surround yourself with like-minded people and to find mentors um, or just really expand your network in the entrepreneurship community. Um, we did that and it was really helpful. But as I look back on our journey, we could have done that a lot sooner. And I think it would have helped us grow faster um, because I rely even now on my network so much. Um, and I still have people reaching out to me as well. And so that network is really, really important. So building out that network early on um, is, is something that I always let people know. Yeah, absolutely. And I, w- I want to dive into that a little bit more too. Sure. Uh, you talk about mentor- mentorship and building a network. How would you suggest somebody starts to build their network or find a mentor in whatever area that they're in? Yeah, I think just looking around at where you are in your stage of life and where you are even like in the country or the world um, Mm -hmm. is helpful. If you're in a university setting, there are always students that are like you. Sometimes it just takes a little bit of effort to find them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I probably didn't do that enough when I was in school either was like surround myself with like-minded people, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's joining a group or just finding people to connect with that you can bounce ideas off of. Um, And you can also do that like after you graduate, it's sometimes a little bit more difficult, but looking for um, groups that hold events, whether they're virtual or in person, um, most of the time it's free to go to these events. And so you can meet a ton of people. And I think that what, what young entrepreneurs don't understand is that typically people are very open and willing to chat with you. Um, and one of the like keys to building a network is to always offer your services to them as well. So you're not just taking, 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 you're also giving, but understanding that you might not have a lot to give right now. And so the promise of giving in the future is often enough for people to understand like, Hey, I know where this person is. I've been there. I'd like to help. Um, and so like finding like-minded people either in groups at school or outside of school, I think is a great place to start. And also just like reaching out to people and saying like, I'd love to pick your brain. I respect you because of X, Y, and Z. And you kind of might be surprised at the results that you get. Yeah, I love that. Okay. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your angel investing, um, what that looks like. So could you first of all explain what you do as an angel investor? Sure. So as an angel investor, you are typically giving money, um, investing money in early stage businesses. So sometimes these businesses will just have an idea and they won't even have any revenue. 
Um, sometimes they'll be a little bit further down the road, but essentially you're giving them um, money in exchange for equity or future equity in their business so that when they sell, you will hopefully get a return on your investment. What do you look for in small businesses or beginning businesses or I guess individuals who have these ideas when you're making an investment? Yeah. Um, I get to talk to a ton of different startups and all of the investments that I have so far have really been founder driven. Um, and so I really want to believe in the founding team. I want a scrappy team that's willing to learn and be coached. Um, that's not going to give up because once you give somebody your money, you want them to be in it right and to, mm -hmm. to the end. Um, and I also really enjoy businesses that I can be helpful in some way, shape or form, whether that's an e-commerce business because I understand those metrics or it's a business where I can help maybe like with hiring or culture or um, setting goals and objectives in some way. And it may not be like right this very second, but down the road, I can feel like I can be helpful to the founders and to the business. Um, and oftentimes those businesses are like helping to make the world a better place in some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. And what does your day-to-day -day schedule look like as an angel investor? Um, and I'm going to ask you the same question about entrepreneurship or I guess what you were doing when you were in the thick of it. But for now, angel investing, what, what does your day-to-day -day look like? Um, so for an angel investor, you may go um, a couple of weeks or even sometimes months and not talk to an entrepreneur. Um, and then you may have a couple of days where like they really need you. And so you're diving into their financials or you're hopping on a Zoom call, or maybe you're even going to their office and helping like conduct interviews. It kind of depends on the business. But um, yeah, there are probably like weeks and months where the only communication I have from my angel investments is via email, like via updates. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so same question for when you're really into building up your business and stuff what does the schedule look like <laughs> a schedule. just a general day a general day <laughs> general i know it varies day. a lot but <laughs> general day was like me like trying to get up and hitting my alarm probably four times because i'd been <laughs> up until like 1 or 2 a.m trying to finish mm -hmm. work and then i hustled to the office and then my day was usually filled with meetings mm -hmm. And so it was like one-on-ones, it was strategy meetings, it was um, just a lot of FaceTime with my team. Then I would probably grab food on the way home from work and then work until I went to bed. And at home was where I got most of my like actual work done because the daytime was filled with meetings and, and assisting other people. Um, and the weekends looked a lot like that too. So it was 24-7, 365, even on vacation it was typically like, let's carve out a couple hours a day to make right. sure that we stay caught up and don't get buried. Yeah, I, I don't think a lot of people realize the, the ugly side of entrepreneurship, all the hard work and the grit that goes into it. When they think of entrepreneurship, you know, they think of, you know, the ultra wealthy people who started their own businesses and stuff. Kind of segueing from that, that challenging part of the entrepreneurship what is the biggest challenge that you face? It could be um, in entrepreneurship and angel investing, um, but just overall in your life, what is the biggest challenge you faced and how did you overcome it? There were definitely a couple periods of time um, in like the entrepreneurship journey where we had challenges that like we really could have lost the business. And we were, again, we were bootstrapped. And so we were self-funding the business. This was kind of like our retirement plan. <laughs> Um, rolled up into entrepreneurship and 
Um, there was one period of time in 2012 where Google did a huge update and we lost all of our organic rankings. And that's where we were getting 50% of our revenue. Mm -hmm. And so you'd wake up more one morning and you're 50% below plan. And this continued for like seven to nine months while we tried to figure out how to rectify the situation. And so you're trying to figure out, or we were trying to figure out like how to solve this problem, how to keep our team calm and motivated towards solving this problem while also figuring out like, how do we not like lay people off and how do we not like lose this bit? Like we have commitments to these people who are feeding their families because of us. Right. And so you feel this huge commitment to make it work. Um, and it was like a seven to nine month journey where we finally like rectified the situation. And like, after you go through something like that, you kind of feel like you can do anything. <laughs> if you can solve any problem that comes yeah. your way. Um, but that was probably that period of time was the biggest like challenge um, I faced in entrepreneurship. And we also had like two days before or two days after we lost all of our like revenue or 50% of our revenue, uh, we closed on a commercial real estate building. And we also had some like personal things with like, you know, like a family member with cancer and like, there was just a lot going on during that yeah. time. And so I look back that and that probably was the most challenging time. Okay. All right. Yeah. And then on the flip side of that question, yeah. was there ever a specific point in time along your entrepreneurial journey where you were like, okay, like this is, this is going to work. This is, you know, we're, we're looking at the finish line here. <laughs> I feel like there were definitely periods of time where we thought, oh, now we're a real business. So like the first time you, first time you introduce the payroll system or the first time you have like enough people to have a group insurance plan or uh, the first time you hire kind of like that higher level executive or that even kind of this sounds silly, but the first time we had like company t-shirts, I was like, oh, like, you know, like this is a real business. Like we're doing this for real. Um, but even at the end, when we were a couple days away from like signing the final paperwork after like, you know, 18 months of trying to sell the business and do due diligence, I don't know if I ever felt like, whew, like taking a breath. Like, I don't think I took a breath until it was all kind of said and done. Another general question that I have for you, sure. um, which is, we talked about schedules, but were there any specific habits that you developed? I know you had a very busy schedule as an entrepreneur and maybe less of a busy schedule as an angel investor, but any specific habits that you developed along that journey that you still do today and that you can maybe attribute to some of your success? <laughs> yes. Um, this is real super nerdy, but um, I, re I realized kind of this summer because this is the first summer like I didn't teach and didn't really have um, anything to do, like, like a formal job. Um, and so at the beginning of the summer, I was like, what do I want to accomplish this summer? Um, and I kind of like set goals for myself of like, what did I want to do with my free time? Um, and then I realized that each morning when I get up, I kind of run through the list of things that I want to do for the day. Like nobody really needs me and I'm not like required to do anything, but it's kind of like nerdy stuff, like cleaning out my closet and yeah. like, you know, like getting rid of all those clothes that I don't wear anymore and like paring down our material goods and like, you know, like things like that. But like, I have a list of things every morning that when I'm eating breakfast that I go through and it's very similar to what I did as an entrepreneur too, where I would kind of set my intentions for the day. Um, and clearly I'm very goal driven. And even when I don't have anything to do for anybody else, I like to set personal goals, even if it's just like, Hey, I'd like to get through that book that I've really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I like to set goals for the day and intentions. And, and I think that is one thing that really helped um, with being successful, whether it was a school psychologist or an entrepreneur or probably even an angel investor now. Yeah. And you mentioned the psychology background. Is there a specific goal setting strategy that you utilize or is it just more like a to-do list, like things you want to get done? What does that look like? I do have goals for the year that I set every year and those have turned into personal goals the last few years, which has been interesting and fun. Um, and, and I kind of just used that same like goal setting, like mindset that we used as an entrepreneur. Um, so I don't necessarily know that it's a specific thing that I learned in college. And I, I'm not sure I even realized I, I was doing it <laughs> until I did it. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 If you had to give one message to the audience, we got people from all over the world who listen, um, all ages, one general message, it can be motivational, it can be a quote that you've heard, it can be, um, you know, a paragraph from a book, whatever it may be, one message that you would love to share with anybody who listens here, what would that be? Something that I've learned, because I often get asked, like, what's the biggest, what's your biggest failure? Or, you know, like, when have you failed? And I realize when I look back, I'm like, I don't have any failures. That doesn't mean <laughs> that I haven't made mistakes. And that doesn't mean that everything has gone really well. Clearly, I just told you about the time we almost lost our business, right? Mm -hmm. But I think the mindset of using failures to learn and grow or mistakes to learn and grow so that you don't have a ton of regrets in your life and you don't look at your life as like a series of failures. You look at it as a series of learning opportunities um, and really getting the mindset of like, if something doesn't go well, like stop and reassess, figure out how to fix it and then learn from that. So it doesn't happen again. And so for me, it's just like my life has been a series of learning opportunities um, and growing as a person. And I don't, I, I can't really pick out like one major failure, even though I've made a lot of mistakes. And so I think that if people can get in that mindset, it kind of helps you just like with the growth mindset, which I believe in. Um, uh, and it helps you kind of, I don't know, like continue to grow as a person and, and not like just have a pile of regrets with your life, regardless of where you are in life or like what's happened or what, what you've done. For somebody who may not believe that they have, you know, that entrepreneurial mindset, how could um, the message that you are giving um, apply to them? Um, maybe they don't want to be an entrepreneur, but how, how can you suggest how they can apply these principles and these, you know, these phrases that you're saying to their lives? Yeah. I mean, I really think anybody can apply it to their life. Like, for example, before I was an entrepreneur, um, after, right out of school, I moved to Georgia. Um, I went into a school counseling program, um, for my master's and I realized a few months in that not only did I not like the program and I didn't want to be a school, a school counselor, I didn't really like living in Georgia, but it is very difficult to kind of tuck your tail between your legs, especially when you've just graduated school and you've had all this pressure on you to figure out like what to do with your life. Right. Um, to like say like, you know what, this isn't for me. And then to move back home and figure out like what is for you. And so I think especially nowadays, students and young people have so much pressure on them to figure out exactly what they're gonna do with their life and have a plan when they graduate that this kind of mindset can work really well. Um, because again, you just need to have a plan. It doesn't have to be the perfect plan and you don't even have to follow it. Just get started, take that first step 
And most people I know have are on their second or third or even fourth like career iteration at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think like we, you guys do have a lot of pressure on you and, and as adults, we have some pressure too, but like taking that first step, just like an entrepreneur would do um, when you make a mistake or you go down the wrong path, just choose a different path and, and give yourself a little bit of a break. If somebody has an idea, what's that first step for them? Would do you recommend reaching out for a mentor or gathering a team? What would you say that first step is for somebody who gets that, I guess that fire ignited, that entrepreneurial fire ignited? Yeah, I do believe in having like a co-founder or a co-founding team. I think it's probably less scary and a little easier when you have like that support system built in, but not everybody has that at first. So, and some people want to be a solo entrepreneur and that's okay. So if you have an idea that you're really passionate about, um, my suggestion is to make sure like before you put money into the project or before you quit your job and try to get funding is to talk to those customers, like figure out like who is my target customer Go talk to them, make sure that they have a really, really painful problem that they're going to pay you to solve. Um, Because a lot of entrepreneurs have great ideas, but they may not necessarily be building something that people are willing to pay for. So if you sink your life savings into this great idea, but you haven't actually talked to anybody to make sure they're going to pay you for it, Mm -hmm. um, that can be a problem. And so doing customer interviews, talking to a ton of people, sometimes it's 100 or 200 people before you feel comfortable, like taking that next step. Mm -hmm. But I would say surround yourself with like-minded people, talk to your customers, make sure you have a problem they're willing to pay to solve. Um, And if you're interested in it, like co-founders like start networking and and seeing if you can find other people that are passionate about that same area that you are yeah and with that networking and finding co-founders is there a specific way that you would recommend somebody finding a co-founder for example if i have these certain characteristics or traits i know you said you were very detail oriented um how would you recommend somebody finds that perfect co-founder that perfect team uh for their idea I think it's really easy to just look within your friends network and Mm -hmm. think of like who you might want to work with or like everybody's out to dinner and you're talking about an idea and somebody else is like, I'd do that too. And then you just start down the path without like stopping to think like, Hey, are we too similar to make this work? (laughs) Um, So the best co-founding relationships I've seen, whether it's two or three or sometimes even four people um, are people that have really complementary skills. And so you may think a little bit differently than your co-founder. You may approach problems differently than your co-founder. You may have different experiences. And so if one of you is very um, engineering minded, you might need somebody a little more creative um, to kind of like counteract that. But if you have like a team full, and I've seen this before, like a team of engineers and everybody is so process driven and so (laughs) detail oriented, um, sometimes it's hard to step back and look at the strategy of the actual business. So Mm -hmm. think of what you are, who you are, what strengths that you have, and then who do you need in a co-founder or co-founders to complement like what you already do really well. Yeah, okay, great. And your entrepreneurial journey, how, when did it begin? And um, 2000, late 2005. Okay. And then it ended around 2018, 2019. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that's a long time. Um, how do you stay motivated throughout that duration of time? 
<laughs> it is, it is, there are days that it is difficult. Um, and typically when I talk to somebody who's having one of those days, I think back to like, I have a lot of those days where there were actual fires and actual floods that we had to deal with. And, you know, like it's just sometimes you're ready to throw in the towel. Um, but typically you kind of need to take a few hours to yourself. Maybe it's a weekend to yourself. And then, um, once you're feeling a little bit better mentally, um, then you're right back in it because what always kept me motivated is the fact that we had committed to this project and then we had a team of people that were relying on us to make it work. And of course we hired great people that were helping us make it work, but you feel very responsible to your team who has said like, yes, I believe in you and I believe in the company and I want to come work for you. Um, and so for me, it was like taking a break, whether it was a couple hours or maybe a couple of days, and then getting re-energized by understanding my commitment to the team. Okay, so I asked you about um, what you look for in a team or an individual. Now I want to ask you what you see in businesses that fail, because I'm sure that you've seen businesses that fail or you know they don't necessarily get off the ground, so to speak. Um, so what are some characteristics that those businesses or individuals fail or lack or, you know, along those lines. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, I've definitely seen a few businesses closed down. Sometimes people are just unlucky. Like mm -hmm. that does happen. Um, but oftentimes I see founders that have built something that they want to build and a problem they think needs to be solved. And they haven't either done the research with their market um, or they haven't listened to the research with the market. Another common trait I've seen is founders that maybe they did their research, but they're so like wrapped up in what they think is best that they're not coachable. Mm -hmm. And so they're dead set on the path and they're not going to listen to anybody. And you do have to filter out the noise, right? Like, especially when you have investors, like investors have very different opinions. So they're coming at you at all sides and mm -hmm. even your mentors um, will have different opinions. And so you kind of have to like take all the information in and figure out what's right for you. But the founder that won't listen to anybody and is super bullheaded and is headed down this journey, regardless of what anybody else thinks, they're typically going to hit a wall because- I remember like you don't know much when you're starting from scratch. And even if I started a new business now, I would have to do a ton of research and listen to a lot of people because I'm not going to do the same business again. Um, and so those are the two most common things or reasons why I see that early founders fail. And then on the flip side of that, what are some characteristics of individuals or businesses that do succeed or do thrive in their environment? Yeah. So experimentation is definitely one. Um, one of my angel investments, when they started, he had an entire marketing plan that he thought was going to work. We all agreed with it. We said, yeah, that's great. They've completely switched, like complete 180 in terms of what they're doing now, but they've learned the right way um, to market the business through experimentation. It's just saying like, hey, like maybe I didn't know best. Um, let's try these different channels. And now their customer acquisition costs are like a third or a quarter of what they used to be um, because they weren't afraid to try new things. Um, and I would also say those like really scrappy founders that aren't afraid to get out and sell before their product is ready. And so another one of my investments had um, like contracts signed with major corporations 
before he ever had a prototype built. Like wow. that is like, I know, like that's really <laughs> scrappy. And that's somebody who super believes in their product. Um, and so like, again, holding it too close to your chest for a very long time, um, isn't great. Like you got to get out there and sell the product and believe in it, um, even before it's ready to go. Yeah. All right. I want to be respectful of your time. So I just have a couple more questions for you. Sure. Um, these are pretty personal questions, but what's next for you? It can be in your personal life. It can be in, you know, business, it can be in investments, but what is the next big thing or things in your life? Yeah. So, um, for me, I think it's continuing that like personal journey. Um, I kind of thought that I would teach for a couple of years and maybe it, I would get tired of it, but what I've realized is every class is different and mm -hmm. every student has a different idea and that keeps it really interesting. So, um, I'm motivated to continue like this journey at Purdue for at least a few more years. And, and I like seeing how like the class changes every semester and it challenges me to get better. Um, and, uh, each semester as well. And so I'm going to continue that. Um, and then just continuing to be open to ideas. So like, um, my fiance and I have definitely like bounced around a few ideas of like, Hey, if we did something, what would it look like now? I'm not committing to anything clearly. <laughs> like there's no announcement for this podcast. Um, but continuing to think about like what's new, whether it's just like something cool, like opening up a bookstore or whether it's like another e-commerce business, um, TBD on that front. All right. All right. We'll, we'll have to stay tuned for whatever that is then. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then where can people find you? Are you, are you on social media? How can people get a hold of you if you, if you want to be um, yeah. contacted yeah, sure. or anything? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can find me on LinkedIn at Angie Stockland. That's pretty easy. I'm also on Twitter at Easterday77. That's my maiden name. Um, or you can find me on Instagram at Stockland. Instagram is not very business oriented, but if you like nice pictures and travel pictures, you can find me there as well. Um, and happy to answer any questions or jump on a call with anybody that would like to chat. Well, that's awesome. All right. Well, I really do appreciate you for taking the time to chat with me and for being so open and to anybody who wants to chat with you about maybe business or entrepreneurial ventures, whatever it may be. Um, so thank you so much for that. Um, and good luck in whatever the next adventure is. Thanks so much for having me, Jackson. I appreciate it. And I've enjoyed chatting with you. Yeah, it was great. Thank you. Thanks. If you would like to learn more about the Morning Crew podcast, you can visit jacksonryanfitness.com slash morningcrew. And there you can find our recent podcast episodes. You can find uh, merchandise that's available for sale. You can get into contact with us if you are interested in joining the podcast or know somebody who might be interested in joining the podcast. And you can also join our Discord community, which is linked on that page as well. If you want to follow me, my name is Jackson. As I mentioned, uh, you can follow me on Instagram um, and TikTok and find my YouTube channel. All of those are at Jackson Ryan Fitness. That is all for this episode of the Morning Crew Podcast. Feel free to join us again. Today, I want to challenge you all to think about what it means to be your 100% authentic self in whatever action you do today. Try and be as authentic as possible. All right, let's get after it. I'll see you guys next time.